Hey everybody, welcome to the Extra Report. I'm Raven X and alongside me today, we got Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka the biggest Grizzlies and Titans fan I know. How you doing today, Ethan? I'm good. Ready for this, you know, this free agency and these drafts. Yeah, it is a one of the most exciting times of the year, the NFL offseason. And I know it doesn't get the same hype as the NBA, but man, it's still a lot of fun. Uh, we got a cool show for you guys today. We are going to talk uh, the latest players who got caught with the franchise tag um, and talk, look at some quarterback news with regards to the future of Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jimmy G, and, of course, talk Dax Payday. Uh, with regards to the NBA, we are going to recap All-Star Weekend, um, and then we're going to talk some latest trade news because it's a, a couple of big men could find themselves on the move. But before we get to any of that, please be sure to check out the thexreport.net I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Without further ado, of course, we always got a promotion for you. Be sure to check out our free agency draft. Yes, I said free agency draft. With this year's uh, free agency predictions, we decided to go a little bit different um, in finding homes for the top NFL free agents. Be on the lookout for that. Um, it should already be posted to uh, Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud. So pretty much wherever you are listening to this, you can find our free agency draft. So be on the lookout for that. Check it out. Let us know what you think, uh, what draft picks you would have made, and all that good stuff. But let's start things off looking at the NFL players who got caught with the franchise tag. Uh, last week, we talked about Justin Simmons, the other players were to draw in him. With safety, Marcus May, offensive tackle, Brandon Sharif, uh, wide receiver, Chris Godwin, offensive tackle, Cam Robinson, defensive lineman, Leonard Williams, wide receiver, Allen Robinson, offensive tackle, Taylor Moten, uh, Marcus Williams, safety for the um, New Orleans Saints, and as we all know, Dak, who got paid. So, Ethan, of the players who got called with the franchise tag, are there any that really surprised you? was uh, Cam Robinson just because throughout his career with Jacksonville he was never been that great of a left tackle so it's surprising to me that they were willing to forfeit a franchise tag for him but I mean I guess they'd rather just have some continuity as opposed to starting over which I mean I guess I kind of understand but it's still kind of weird another one that surprised me was Marcus Williams just because the, the Saints already have you know solid safeties in play and I know that Marcus Williams is, is a good player, but it just with their cap situation, I don't know if I would have risked putting that money towards Marcus Williams when I could have used that to um, bring in other free agents or try to entice a quarterback to come in. So those were a couple were a couple that surprised me. But other than that, it wasn't too crazy. But talking crazy, 
Dak got paid. Finally, he got his contract. Four-year, $160 million, $127 million fully guaranteed. And he's going to be making a cool 75 mil in the first year of his deal. So first off, let's talk the deal. Did you like it? Do you hate it? What are your thoughts? Uh, personally, I will start off by saying this. I, if you're able to get whatever, you're able to get whatever contract that you're get willing, a uh, team is willing to give you. That's your worth. I'm all pro players getting their money, but on the field wise, I wouldn't have gave Dak that contract. I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. They basically pay him like he's the second best quarterback in the NFL, and he's clearly not. And that also with that contract, how are you going? How are you going to you know help build that team? How are you going to get defensive players? Because honestly, the, the Cowboys' offense is fine. I feel like you can insert any quarterback with the Cowboys, with the weapons that they have, as long as they aren't absolute. Like, they can't read a defense. If they're competent, they can, they can win games. But the, the defense, the other side of the ball, it's it's terrible. So I just wonder how they're going to, you know, build a complete team with giving him their master contract. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you just because it's like, I get it. I understand, you know, you, it's hard finding your franchise quarterback. It is exhausting. It is a whole lot of work. I, I get that. On the other hand, though, it's just like, man, like, it'd be one thing if you coughed up all this money, but you already had a team that was ready, willing, and able. You know, if you had a perennial playoff team, but instead the Dallas Cowboys gave all this money to a quarterback who – has never gotten them past the second round, has never been in the conversation for MVP. And sure, the argument can be made that when he went out, he led the league in passing yards. But, I mean, they had a losing record. They weren't winning games. And I'm not going to put everything on deck as to why they were losing games. But, I mean, come on now, y'all. Like, they weren't a good overall team. And I know that if you want to keep your quarterback, you got to do what you can to make it happen. But Dak is not somebody that I am going to break the bank for. You and I have talked about this often. Like, neither of us have really been sold on him. But I guess I understand it in the sense of the Cowboys were like, hey, we got to do something and we don't want to have to start over. Even though I feel like this may be worse than starting over because you're so limited as far as money, so you can't really bring in any players who can help you out, which I think is going to end up being the biggest blow. But, I mean, you know, it could be worse. So, now that they got their quarterback set, let's talk expectations. Let's talk what we play football for, and that is championships. Do you see in the next four years the Dallas Cowboys hosting a Lombardi trophy? No, I do not. Because, like I just stated, Dak has this massive contract. And the offensive side of the ball is great. I know one thing to be concerned about is Zeke is older and he showed signs of regression last season. And the offensive line wasn't the same um, dominant offensive line that they have been in the past. But still, they have a very serviceable offense. But, you know, the defense,
defensive side of the ball, what are they going to do? Like, are they going to make moves to better their defense? Are they actually going to, those moves actually going to come to fruition to provide a better defense? Because this Super Bowl in itself showed that you still have to have a great defense or at least a good game, one game of great defense to win a championship. Mm-hmm. Because, like the saying goes, defense always wins championships. Like, you can have C.D. Lamb, you can have Amari Cooper, you can have Michael Gallup, you can have Zeke, you can have Dak. But, you know, if you're, like, let's say they go, let's say they make it to the Super Bowl and they play the Chiefs. I will put my whole entire check on the Chiefs because I know the Cowboys can't stop them. Right. And I feel like the Chiefs, they aren't an amazing defensive team, but they've shown that they have they have the gumps, the gumption to make plays when they need to be made. I don't see that from the Cowboys. So I don't see them hosting a Lombardi trophy in these four years unless they make moves to improve their defense. So best case scenario, how far do you see the Cowboys making it? Because honestly, I don't see them making it past the second round. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I don't see them making it past the second round. I see them being, I see them winning, potentially winning their division, maybe. And the only reason I say maybe is because if if Jalen Hurts can be successful in Philly, I can see them winning, potentially winning the division. And honestly, if Washington can find a quarterback and a number two receiver, I I put my money on Washington to win the division. Really? But, yeah, honestly. If we're being honest, I think that Washington is the biggest threat. So, so because we've seen what they were able to do with the offense that they had last year, and of course, you can make the case that it was because so they were so bad like around the division. But I mean, their defense was still dominant, and they still beat other teams outside of the NFC East, and they routinely beat the Cowboys, and they were ugly each time. So, I would say they're the biggest threat right now in the East. But yeah. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in agreement with that. I think that if that happens, that'd be ideal. But it's just when you look at the the whole roster, it's just like where do I see reasons for excitement? You know, like Zeke Zeke had a down year, so not many people are really high on Zeke at the moment. Um, the receiving core is good, but I mean they still have their flaws. Their defense is just terrible, and like like we were all saying, like. The deal seems nice. This dad got paid, but if you can't bring in defensive talent, that's what I'm saying. You're banking on every rookie or bargain player you get to just come out and be a star. And that's not always going to be the case. So I think that that's going to be a big blow for the Cowboys in the long run. And I think that it's going to be something that if they don't get a Super Bowl out of it, which neither of us believe is going to happen, I think they're going to end up regretting it. But let's talk about another quarterback who was traded this offseason, Matthew Stafford, traded from the Detroit Lions 
to the Los Angeles Rams. And since he has been there, the Rams have been talked about in terms of being a Super Bowl contender, not they have an established quarterback. And now there's no doubt in anybody's mind that the city of Detroit still loves and has respect for Matt Stafford, but his former teammates are also high on him. Former former Lions cornerback Darius Slate said this of Matthew Stafford. He'll be an MVP for sure in a couple of years, if not this year. Ethan, do you think that during Matthew Stafford's tenure with the Rams, he will win an MVP award? Uh, no, I don't. I think, I feel like he will get more recognition now that he's in L.A., but I don't see him winning MVP. One reason being, the NFL is enamored with Patrick Mahomes, and he still is a very young player and still progressing. Yes, he didn't win it this year. He had a somewhat down season compared to Patrick Mahomes' standards. But he's still Patrick Mahomes, and he's still still amazing. Aaron Rodgers is still in the NFL, and last season shows you he's not slow. He doesn't show any signs of slowing down. I think that what will happen with Matthew Stafford is he will get a lot more recognition because he will actually start winning games, especially if he's able to stay healthy during his time in Los Angeles. He could potentially get the recognition that I think me and you both feel like he should have deserved a long time ago. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the game. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you um, as far as I think he's going to start getting more recognition, especially because for great players, if you're not winning, it's not much to talk about. And the Detroit Lions, as we all know, has not had the biggest history of winning a lot of games. So I do think that this would – I think that with the Rams, of course, he's going to win more games. He's going to have a better better team around him. But I don't see him winning MVP. I mean, even within his own division. I think that he's still not the best quarterback in his division. I think that's, that's Russell Wilson. And I think that, like you said, there's still going to be players like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, who if he gets in the right situation, if he can start winning games, I think that it's – I think that we'd be hard-pressed to not see him win some big awards. But I think that – Like I said, I think that Matthew Stafford is in a much bigger situation, but I think that what works to his benefit is he's not playing for MVP. You know what I'm saying? He's not playing for individual awards. He's playing to win a Super Bowl. He's been in the league for a long time. That's what he wants, and I think that that is the more important thing because I'll be honest, I'll take a Super Bowl MVP over a regular season MVP any day. So I think that I'll say this. If I think that the – I think that the Rams are definitely a playoff team with him there. I'm not going to jump and say they're going to be in the Super Bowl, but I do see them in the playoffs. But I'll say this, though. If they are able to make the playoffs, and that's when I think we'll really start hearing that conversation of him potentially being a, a Super Bowl MVP candidate. Continuing on with quarterbacks. Now, look, he may never reach a Super Bowl, but he has the swag of an MVP quarterback. Of course, we are talking about Fitz Magic. Now, while he came in in relief in the Miami Dolphins, was a great player for them. Some even believe that he should have stayed their starter throughout the year. And he is getting some nice interest as a free agent. Um, He may decide to hang it up. Uh, From John Clayton, a longtime ESPN analyst, he said, Ryan Fitzpatrick looked like he's going to retire. The Broncos did make some contact with him. He's been with eight teams and played a long time, but it looks like he's going to be out of the mix. So, if he does choose to retire, I mean, not if he does, but do you think that Ryan Fitzpatrick should retire? And if not, what team should he sign with? 
I don't think he should retire because last season showed that he has a lot left in the tank, and he also could just very well take up the Josh McCown role of being a journeyman backup quarterback who's more so there for his um his knowledge versus his play on the field. Like, and honestly, I would agree. I think if the team that I want to see him sign to, I would is depending if. The Miami Dolphins don't aim for a big-name quarterback, i.e. Deshaun Watson. I would want him to re-sign with Miami to help Tudor Tua or Denver. Like, Drew Locke, I don't know. He's an enigma because it's like he can show flashes of being a, a quality starter. Then he can show flashes of being a guy that's like, bro, how are you even on the field? And I think that, you know, if they were able to bring in Ryan Patrick, he could also help on the field if Drew starts to – get into his bad habits, but he can also coach Drew up to help him break those bad habits. Uh, For me, I would go with, um, first off, I wouldn't retire if I'm Ryan Fitzpatrick just because after the year that you had, I think that you're definitely an attractive quarterback option. Um, Right now, in terms of the free agent pool of quarterbacks available, I think the only one that you could probably make an argument for starting is Jameis Winston. But if we're talking backup quarterbacks, I mean, he has to be number one. I take him over Cam. I take him over uh, Alex Smith. I don't know if you're in agreement with that, but I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick has shown that he has, he definitely has a role in this league. So I would definitely, um, I would definitely take a chance on him. Um, but in terms of where he best fit, honestly, I think that Miami would still be perfect. He knows the system, knows the players. Tua is not a finished product yet, so I think that that would be helpful. But, I mean, like you said, Denver would also be a really nice fit just because Drew Locke also was not a finished product. He could use as much help and coaching as he could get. And then, finally, this is just for the sake of we're not sure how he's going to be, you know, with tearing his ACL. Reports are he's going to be back week one. But Cincinnati could be a really nice fit for him. I mean, Fitzpatrick really wouldn't be asked to do much, but we saw what happened in Cincinnati when uh, Joe Burrow was gone. When that offense actually looked like it was starting to click, looked like it actually had some competency to it, it it all fell apart when Joe went down. So I think that having a nice backup plan in place would be really helpful. But uh, speaking of backup plans, it seems like the New England Patriots are trying to get an old backup plan and make it their go-to. Um, as we all know, a few years back, they traded Jimmy Garoppolo to the San Francisco 49ers for a second overall pick. But now reports are coming out of Boston and uh, Foxborough that Jimmy Garoppolo is the Patriots' plan A for quarterback. As we all know, their quarterback situation has been murky um, since Tom Brady decides to take his, take his talents to Tampa. And it's pretty much an inactive situation to see who their next quarterback is going to be. But, Ethan, do you think that Jimmy Garoppolo and the Patriots would work better on their second marriage? Um, I think they will simply because what ended their first marriage honestly had nothing to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. It ended because Tom Brady, as of my knowledge and what I've heard, it ended because Tom Brady felt some type of way that Jimmy G was the backup and he was showing signs of being the guy that replaced Brady. And Brady was like, Nobody needs to replace me. Right. So get rid of these dudes. So yeah. I think that you can bring him back to this system. He He's familiar with it. Belichick likes him, obviously, if he wants to make the move to trade for him. I think it could be something that could work. Now, the only question is, can he stay healthy? Right. Because when he's, when he's on the field, he's been a very productive 
not as far as the stats guy, but he's being very productive as a winning quarterback. Like, I think he's like, what, 24 and like six or 24 and nine, 24. I believe. Yeah, something like that when he's on the field. But the thing of it is, is can he stay on the field? He had an ACL injury a couple years ago. He had another injury this year. Like, that's the only question mark I have about Jimmy G. Um, I think it would be a good fit, too. Another thing, you know, out of that situation when he was last with New England was it seemed that Bill Belichick was all in on Garoppolo. He wanted Garoppolo to be the successor to Tom Brady. But Robert Kraft stepped in, stepped in and was like, no, we're going to stick with Brady. But, I mean, just imagine if they would have been patient and held on to him and then Brady was to leave and then they'd be right now. They wouldn't have to try to – trade for him because he was already in tow. They've seen what he'd be able to do, and they could honestly could have got a jump on seeing what he could do last year. So I can understand the the thought process of bringing him back. Honestly, I would take Jimmy Garoppolo over Cam Newton just because he's the familiarity with the system and he's he's a better player right now. Of course, not in general, but right now I would rather take that chance on him. So, yeah, I totally would do it as well. It'd just be a matter of what I would have to give up because he is not somebody who I'm going to break the bank for. It's not happening. Like, if I, I gave him to you for a two, if I have to give more than a two to get him, he's just not meant to be my quarterback. Yeah, I'm definitely not giving up a first. Yeah, absolutely not. There is no way in hell. But, you know, I'll give you a two. You know, and uh, the Patriots, I think, have like five comp- compensatory picks. So, I mean, possibly a three, two, three, something like that. Uh, but this was news that hit earlier today. Our good buddy, the the uh, originator of Big Trust, running back Mark Ingram signed a one-year, $3 million deal uh, with the Houston Texans. Now, honestly, you and I talked about potential landing places for Mark Ingram. So what do you think about his fit in Houston's offense? I mean, I think it would be a good fit because – Houston didn't really have great production out of the running back last season. Like, they had Duke Johnson. And he honestly and truly is more of a period third down back at this point in his career. So I think if you're able to, you know, have Mark Ingram be the guy that takes the carries on first and second down, then you bring in a running back to take over on third down, I think it could be a good pairing. The only question is, is like, you know, you sign Mark Ingram, but that's not going to help y'all keep Deshaun. Like, I think it's a foregone conclusion that Deshaun Watson is gone. Right. And, like, signing Mark Ingram isn't going to – it's not a, a splash signing that's going to help you win games. Right. It can help you a little bit, but it's not going to be – it's not one of those type of things where it's like, oh, my God, Mark Ingram's at, in Houston. So. If anything, it's just going to be consistency. You know what I'm saying? If anything, it's just going to be giving you a player who – I would say, I would say it gives you a player who you can trust to show up, who is going to be mature. Um, but I'm in agreement with you as far as I don't really think that. I don't think he's going to help them win games. But also, as much as I hate to say it, because I've really developed a strong appreciation for um, Mark Ingram, especially in his short time in Baltimore. But like, he, I don't see him also being that productive. Like, their offensive line is bad. They're not going to create as many running lanes as Baltimore did. And I think that for a player who already had his struggles last year, I don't 
I think that this is not necessarily the best situation to try to get back on track. Not to mention, um, not to mention just so much, so much unknowns currently with that roster. Like I personally, I figured he was going to try to go somewhere that is ready made for the playoffs. That is just ready to compete. Just soon as you know, they get the ball rolling for next season. They're, they're in it. Like I said, Buffalo. Exactly, Buffalo or Seattle or, hell, even going back to um, New Orleans, something like that. And so, or Kansas City if they want to get another veteran presence. But it's just like, they did it and he didn't make that move, which is very interesting to me. And I want the best for him. I hope that he's able to have that success. But this was definitely uh, not the place I thought he was going to end up. Uh, but I hope for the best for him just because we, we all like Mark. Big trust. All right, so before we close out the NBA, I mean NFL discussion, it's actually going to tie into some NBA. Greg Olson has retired from the league. We all know this. Definitely one of the most productive players, um, especially at tight end. But as we know, he's going to be an analyst for Fox, I believe. But it sounds like he also could lend his coaching talents. Um, in a recent uh, interview on the Colin Coward podcast, he said, if I could coach LeBron James for a year, I could make him an all-pro wide receiver. I could turn Russell Westbrook into an all-pro safety. So just for the sake of hypotheticals and fun, what do you, if you had to pick, which player do you think, if they actually were coached by Greg Olson, had a year from like, let's say, from today, started the 2022 season, who do you think would be a better NFL player? Russell Westbrook as a safety or LeBron as a wide receiver? Because for me, this was really easy. This is tough, slightly, but I got to go LeBron. Because in this, this is all LeBron love aside. But LeBron already had a history of being a great football player. Like, it's been, it was reports that came out that when LeBron was in high school in Akron, he was like, he was the top player in in, in his city. So I got to go LeBron, and it also doesn't help that he's a freaky athlete. Like, I love Russ, and I honestly and truly believe that if Russ were to convert over to football, he would be an amazing player because he already has the tenacity. In my opinion, he has the tenacity of a football player on the basketball court. And But I got to go Brown. I'm going Russ. One factor being Russ is younger. Two, I feel like he'd be better equipped to deal with the physicality, especially right now and with his age. Three, LeBron is great, but it's one thing to dominate in high school. It's a whole other thing to do it on the NFL level. And I think that LeBron, we all know, is a freak athlete. We know LeBron is X, Y, and Z. He's got the size, speed, blah, blah, blah. But it's different from, like, doing flag football and then playing in the NFL. Like, just because you may have several inches on a player does not mean you won't get laid out. And I think that for a basketball player, it's easy to keep – it's much easier to keep their body – at a certain condition as opposed to football to where you're running into people all day. That is essentially your life. And I think that after a while, especially like I said with LeBron's age, it will wear on him a bit. Whereas I think Russell would be better equipped for it. And plus, I just I just want to see Le- I want to see Russell play one game of football. 
Just, I, I think it'd be a lot of fun. I would love seeing him jaw back and forth, especially on defense, because he just has the attitude and the make of a defensive player. But I, I don't. I totally see the argument for LeBron, but I would go Russ. Now the now an even more uh, difficult question would be if you could see LeBron play wide receiver, and if you could say see Russ on the field, what teams would you want to see them play for? Cowboys fan, even though he low-key jumps from different bandwagons, but I would say the Dallas Cowboys, and because they already have wide receivers in tow, so it's not necessarily like they would immediately need him, like they'd still be able to get the ball out, and then LeBron would come in, and the fans would go crazy, and you know, it'd be one of those situations. As for Russ at safety, I would say Seattle, if not for any other reason, but I would love to see how him and Jamal Adams would interact with each other. I just think that they would become one of the coolest duos to watch. And plus, he's on a good team. You know, knock on wood, that Russ is going to still be there. But I think that would be dope. All right, let's go ahead and talk some NBA. We are coming off of All-Star Weekend, which even though it was different because we still live in the times of Rona, the NBA did the best that they could. Uh, So here's what went down. Steph Curry to Ethan's uh, selection, won a three-point contest. Um, DeMontis Sabonis was a surprising winner of the Skiffs Challenge. Uh, let's see. Um, that, that Oh, Anthony Simmons won the dunk contest. And finally, Team LeBron won the All-Star Game. Ethan, what were your top three takeaways from All-Star Weekend? Top three takeaways are Number one, the NBA has to do something about the dunk contest and the judging of the dunk contest because I'm going to be real. My personal opinion, I think Cassius Stanley won because he had, especially that one dunk where he put the ball between the same leg that he jumped off of. Mm-hmm. Like, as a, he made it look easy, but like as an athletic marvel and as a person in hoops, like, I'm not, I can't dunk. I'm just, I'm letting them be known now, but as a person that's been around like athletic people, that's some amazing stuff. Number two, uh, I'm gonna be real with you. I want to see Damian Lillard and Steph Curry go one on one. Like it was a part of me that was like, I wish that they were on separate teams and doing this, going against each other, mm-hmm. like seeing who can shoot the farthest, because. Like the shooting display that they put on in like short amount of time was amazing, and honestly, number one, it's just you know, I'm glad that you know we had the All Star game. I'm glad 
situation with the 76ers, and it's an unfortunate situation. But for given the circumstances of the timing that all of this has gone down, the NBA did an amazing job. I didn't get a chance to watch much of it, but from what I did see and from like the highlights that I saw, the NBA did a great job putting this together. I dig it. All right, so my Mamba player of the weekend was pretty easy. I went Giannis. I mean, going un perfect from the field during the all-star game i don't care who you are that's impressive especially because he did show off a little bit of range did hit a three so for me it was Giannis. Giannis definitely showed out this weekend i gotta go dame because like and the reason i say dame is because in that shootout with steph dame was actually shooting it farther than steph was like it was the shot that he won the game with. It was like legit a step right above the free throw, or right above the half court line. He shot one shot where he was legit on the um half court line, and like to see a guy shoot those type of shots and he's pulling up like it's a regular jumper. Like the amount of core strength and hand strength and upper body strength you gotta have to get that ball to the rim with the regular shooting motion. Like Damian Lillard is that dude. Agree. All right, so hear me out. Would you rather see Dame and Steph on the same team or Steph and LeBron? Dame and Steph. Because, like, I love LeBron, but just, like, having two people that can shoot the ball from half court, that would be a cheat. It would be exciting to watch. And it would be hard for me because I'm not a big fan of the three-pointer, but it's like, you know, who would you in a in a clinch game situation? Who, who would you guard? Right. Because like Steph could bring the ball up. Actually, Dane could bring the ball up court. Because Steph is better suited. He's better suited off ball, and both of them are pretty good at being off the ball. But like as soon as they cross half court, you will basically have to trap them. And if you trap them, you can potentially they can swing it to the um to the other one and make the shot. I gotta go with Steph and Dane. I feel that. All right, so coming down from All-Star break, let's talk present-day news as we do near the NBA trade deadline. One of the latest players to hear his name thrown into the hat is LaMarcus Aldridge. The San Antonio Spurs were one of the first teams to be slated to have a game coming back uh, from the break. But it was confirmed by Coach Pop that Aldridge and the Spurs have mutually agreed to part ways. So, Ethan, what would you say are some teams that would be a nice fit for LaMarcus Aldridge if he was to be traded? Number one, the Boston Celtics. Number two, uh, honestly, depending on the situation, the Lakers. Number three, I would say, I can see maybe Miami, giving like, I know Bam is their guy. But I could potentially see, like, if you can get LaMarcus and he can come off the bench and kind of fortify that bench unit. But those, those are the only teams that I can really think of. I think the Celtics will be a good move just because, I mean, time and time again, the story is that they really do not have most, much of a post presence. Like, they'll get a player like Enos Cantor who is solid offensively, but we know defensively he's a liability. Tristan Thompson has not made many waves this year. It has just been really frustrating. They haven't hit on the position in the draft. So I think that um, Boston will be a good move. I'm surprised you don't seem to be in the camp of everybody who wants to see him return return to Portland. I mean, I would love it. I think, honestly, 
I didn't think about it when you initially asked the question, but in all honesty, that would be a great, it would be a great destination for them because you know Nate gets hurt and. They don't really have much as far as a backup big, and even when Nurk returns, like if Nurk returns, you could potentially put Nurk off the pull Nurk off the bench till he's healthy, and Lamarcus is a capable starter. And you know, people forgetting like Lamarcus Aldridge was at is averaging a pretty decent over the course of his time with the Spurs. He's averaging like nineteen and eight. Right. I think he I think his production has dipped. So I think you can add him to the, because you know with the Spurs he he's the second option because Demar is the clear number one option right. and Demar has been amazing. But I feel like if you were to add Lamarcus Aldridge to Ben Portland, he won't be the number one option because it's obviously Damian Lillard. He honestly won't even be the second option because CJ CJ could come back healthy. He's the obvious number two. He might not even be the third option because of Miller. I was just about to say. So he could be a great fourth option for their team, and it could be something that could really help them in the playoffs. Because we all know that last season, not last season, they played, well, they, even last season, they played the Lakers. And when you play the Lakers, you're going to have to have, you're going to have to be able to play with some size. Yes, Nuggets was a good play. Nuggets is a good big. But you need more than just one big. Even when they played the um the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals, they needed a big that can contend with Jokic, and they didn't have it because um if I'm not mistaken, that's when Nuggets was hurt. So mm-hmm. I think it'll be a great pickup if he did go back to Portland. Yeah, I think Portland would also be a really nice fit. But I mean, like I said. The trade, we're near the trade deadline. So many players' names have been kind of thrown into the fire. Another one being P.J. Tucker, who apparently the Heat do have interest in. But um, according to Bleach Report, um, in order to get Mr. Tucker, they would have to cough up Tyler Hero. If you are the Miami Heat, is it worth it? Because for me, I would. that's a hard no. <laughs> no. I don't, I, I don't know why everybody's trying to get Tyler Hero off of Miami because they're not coming off that young man. Like, he, he he isn't a fully certified superstar yet, but Tyler Hero is shown. He's showing the playoffs that he has the potential to be a top guy. Right. Like, he scored 37 against the Celtics in the playoffs. So, I wouldn't, I wouldn't come off of him. The only way I would come off of Tyler Hero is if he was a package for a certified superstar. Like in the case of a James Harden. I'm not even a James Harden fan, but I mean, we know what James Harden is. That makes a lot of sense. P.J. Tucker is not one of them cats. Yeah, or a realistic option. I would come off of Tyler Hero if I could get Bradley Beal. Absolutely. But then again, I feel like Bradley Beal is just going to kick it with, with Washington, which honestly, I like watching him and Russ play together. So it's all good. Speaking of Russ, um, in a recent interview, Bradley Beal did talk Russell Westbrook and said that he is the best teammate probably that I've ever had. He's been nothing but awesome for us. So do you think that Bradley Beal's relationship with Russ is going to be more incentive for him to stay in Washington? Oh, potentially. I mean, it also hinges on what is Washington going to do in this offseason because we've seen it like – we thought that Russ was having a good um, relationship with James Harden in Houston. Like, they looked like, it, yes, they had some friction moments, but they overall, they looked like they were, 
they were happy with each other. Like, they were friends and things of that nature. They are friends off the court. And he got traded. So you never know what Washington might do as far as that. But if, if Russ is to stay, it could be some incentive. But the only thing of it is, is the reality is, it's Bradley Bill's team. Like, if it, if it was the other way around, I feel like it could work better. But, you know, Russ is older. And he's he's shown more prompt. He's been more injury prone than he has in his past. But, I mean, you know, Bradley Bill is saying that he wants to be loyal to their franchise. I I feel him to an extent. I also think some of it might be a smoke screen to just wait until the offseason. So, I don't know. Uh, I kind of go back and forth whether or not I think Bradley Bill is going to get traded. But I just think that I think that his love for the city and for the team is paramount. Like, it's very evident. So, I would just have a hard time really seeing him do it. The reason why I think that Russ being there is going to help him out is just because we see, like, we talked about a couple weeks ago with if we thought the Wizards were for real or not, like, as when they were uh, on winning seven to ten games and Russell was really helping everybody establish their roles, which helped make them a better team. And I think that it's rare when you have teammates who come in this fast and they're just, you click with like that. And I think that because they click so well, I think that it's going to be more reason for him to stay. Because, and one, it's a situation he's familiar with. Like you said, it's his team. Depending on what team Bradley Bill would go to, it probably would not be his team. And if he was going to go to a team where it would automatically be his team, more than likely, they're not in a much better situation than the Wizards are in right now. And I think that because he's a player who, throughout his career, unfortunately, has not been on a team that's had a lot of success, I think that if he was going to leave, he want to be somewhere where it will be a playoff team, but also he will be able to get that same amount of shine. So I think that I personally think he's take he would take more pride in being the reason why Washington became a playoff team as opposed to joining a team that was already there. And I, I can agree with you, but I also have a very interesting caveat to that. Mm-hmm. Unless you join the New York Knicks. And the reason I say this is because, yes, Julius Randle is the all-star, but if you add Bradley Beal to their team, he is going to be the best player. Most of them. And it's and it's not like he will be joining a super team. He will be joining a up and coming team that will that is already shown to be, at least for this season, shown to be more established than the Wizards are and have a better potential of making the playoffs. I think it, I think a big reason for that is just better coaching. I take Tom Thibodeau over Scott Brooks right now. Like I think that he's really instilled some toughness into the Knicks that they haven't had in some time. Though I feel like the Knicks are going to kind of fall off as the season wears on. I mean, it is still impressive to see what they've been able to do, especially with the roster that they have. It's nice to see the strides that uh, Randall has been able to take. But all right, one more piece. Uh, I'm sorry, a couple more pieces. Uh, Miles Leonard, during a le- recent uh, stream, he used an anti-Semitic uh, phrase which was caught on camera. Um, the NBA decided to fine him 50K, and he is suspended for a week. Um, on his social media, he made a post apologizing for using the slur um, and apologizing to the Jewish community and did not, and of course, saying that he didn't want this to affect his fans and his teammates, yada, yada, yada. 
So, Ethan, do you feel like his punishment was adequately given, or do you feel like he got off easy? Uh, I feel like it was adequately given because, in all honesty, I think that he was a martyr. Mm -hmm. I think that they did that to him to show, the NBA did that to him to show that they, that this isn't tolerable anymore. Like, I know that players in the past have said things on camera and been called saying things that, you know, are racist or aren't very nice. Mm -hmm. So I think that they gave him that type of um, that type of punishment to let other players in the NBA know that, like, we aren't tolerating this anymore. You guys are going to have to get, like, be in check. And, I mean, it's also... Being honest, I don't think it's that harsh because it's Myers Leonard. Right. Like he's a guy that I don't even think he gets clocked for the for the heat anymore at all. Yeah. Like I think they they run Bam and Precious comes off the bench, so you can't be too like it's you, and plus a week a week punishment in this in the second half of the season that could be like three to four games in right. itself. So I don't think it's too hard. So I think it's just right just to let people know, like, hey, we're not tolerating stuff anymore. I'm in agreement with you. I don't think it's that bad of a punishment. And funny you should mention um, him kind of being the example because the anti-Asian comments um, that Jeremy Lin has been really speaking about over the last couple of weeks. So I feel like he chose the wrong time to say it. I feel like had he said it a while, like a month or so ago, he really wouldn't face much of a punishment. But I think that the NBA is really trying to hone in on um, racist comments and racist speech. So I think that this was a big step in the direction to showcase, like you said, that the NBA is not going to tolerate anymore. Because, I mean, though it wasn't like, um, though it wasn't anti-Semitic or racist, you remember when Nikola Jokic, um, excuse me, was uh, doing his post-game interview, and uh, he said no homo. Yeah. And they they made that into a thing. I feel like at the time, I didn't, he didn't get suspended or anything. I know he got fined, but I feel like even though that was just a few years ago, I feel like if something like that was to happen now, it would become a big thing just because the NBA is really just trying to showcase its stances on this type of stuff and holding players accountable for what they say. Even if it is in the case of like Miles Leonard, where he's playing a video game, he's on a stream, he's not even doing anything like necessarily professional, but just holding players accountable. Yeah, because I mean, ultimately, the thing of it is, whether you're on the court or off, you're still representing the brand of the NBA. And like in the case of Jokic, it's like you said, back, it's different. Because like when you said, when you just said it to me, I was like, ain't nothing wrong with it, but it's because like being completely honest in the in the black male, honestly, in the, all types of community outside of the home of um, the L, well, I almost messed myself up there by saying something stupid. Uh, the, uh, the LGBTQ yeah, plus. LGBTQ yeah. community plus. Like, in heterosexual communities, we say no homo. Like, we might say something and then we throw no homo behind it, and it's just normal conversation. But to them, rightfully so, it's offensive because, you know, there could be. They could be taken as a shot at their sexuality. So. Yeah, like what's so wrong with you know being homosexual? Yeah. But yeah, Mark Leonard, like I said, he just he he was a martyr. Like, and it's also people people just I feel like, and this kind of goes back to what Julian Edelman said in his letter. Like, it's not about the fact that you said it; it's more about the fact that. 
ignorance of what you said because the ignorance is going to spread whether you want it to or not. Mm-hmm. So. That's, that's true. And I mean, because most people really don't think of, like when they think of hate speech or stuff like that, they think instantly like with regards to black people or uh, people a part of the LGBTQ community, like we very rarely, rarely, seldom really talk about the anti-Semitic things that are being said. Like if honestly, this is like one of the first instances of that in a while, you know, that I've heard about. So, but I, I mean, props to the NBA for catching it and like, you know, acknowledging it, especially just because, I mean, it just got to set a standard. Like you said, no matter where you are, if you're in the NBA or you play for any professional league, you represent that league and you have to act accordingly. But all right, one more thing before we make predictions. I know there are already games in progress, but um, let's talk the 2021 finalists for the N. Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. So as of right now, we got Rick Alderman, uh, Leda Andrews, Chris Bosch, Michael Cooper, Yolanda Griffith, Tim Hardaway, Lauren Jackson, Marquise uh, Johnson, Paul Pierce, as a coach, Bill Russell, Marianne Stanley, Ben Wallace, Chris Weber, and Jay Wright. We haven't been able to still get the um, Hall of Fame induction for last year's class, which of course included Kobe, KG, uh, Tim Duncan, Swoop. So, Ethan, how are you feeling about this 2021 class so far? I think it's a good class. You know, it's a lot of it's a lot of players that I don't know about, mm-hmm. and but you know, it's a lot of players that I do know about, like Chris Bosh. I think that, like we had discussed before, the in the the basketball Hall of Fame isn't like the NFL Hall of Fame. They have a they have a a looser criteria to make that to make the Hall. So I think you know everybody that is nominated. I think. The ones that I know, I feel like they'll make it in. Like Paul Pierce, he, I feel like he'll make it in because he, as a player, he was a really good player, and then he won. He's won a championship, the most, you know, overrated, overused, overloved championship in the history of the NBA. Never have I seen one championship get strung along this long. The 2008 Celtics and Chris Webber was an amazing player, so yeah. I think. It was. It's a great hall class, especially given, like, you can't have a class that's going to include Kobe, KG, and Tim Duncan every year. So right. it's not going to be as great as that class. Right. But, I mean, props to the uh, players who got this far. Much respect to them. I mean, just because it's not easy. It is very difficult. I mean, especially to be in consideration. I mean, that's still worth noting. So props to them. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and make predictions for tonight. Um, so we're breaking up the show into two parts. This first part recorded uh, March 11, 2021. So if you're listening back and when the episode, you know, was fully posted and you're confused as to what games are coming on, that is why it is not the normal uh, Saturday slate of games. But so um, I'm going to ignore the games that are already in progress. Uh, the Golden State Warriors versus the Los Angeles Clippers tonight, nine o'clock. I got, I'll go Clippers. I go Clippers. I got Warriors. Houston Rockets versus the Sacramento Kings. I'm going to go Rockets. I mean, I'm sorry, not Rockets. Kings. I was gonna say you might want to change that because the boys did lost like 13 straight before the All Star break. I'm going on the Kings also. Yeah, it's been ugly for the Rockets. You think they're going to trade Oladipo? Because I would. Because apparently they offered him a long-term deal, and he was like, nah, I'm good. And uh, I would trade him. They probably would. Yeah. Yeah, I would trade him. 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 Y
in getting him when he was in Indy, so I could totally believe it. And I think, you know, I think they might be him, and honestly, it just sucks for them that apparently their best player was Christian Wood, and since he's been out, they've lost every game since he got injured. Yeah. I feel for John Wall, though, because, you know, after uh, Harden got traded, he was like, I'll step up and be that guy. And then after he says that, they go on this major losing streak. I mean, it's, it's, it's got to be a blow to the confidence. But, I mean, since, you know, my least favorite player in the league doesn't play for me anymore, I want I hope they can turn the tide. I hope they can, you know, get it together. But, all right, let's go ahead and talk some WWE. Now, Brother Keezy, I have a question to ask you. Do you believe in Bo Dallas? No, I like, I like me some Bo Dallas. But I, that wasn't a question. But do you believe? In both, yeah. I believe that I haven't seen him since, like, 2018. You know what? Wait, yeah. has it really been 2018? No, he was doing stuff. <laughs> he did stuff recently. Not recently, but, you know, like, in the last couple of years. Like, okay. Recently, you know, at some point, you know, in your <laughs> lifetime. It was like, I'm just like, can't tell you what's on my TV. It's, it's been a while. But you want to know somebody else who believes in Bo Dallas? Bob. Sami Zayn. Who in a recent interviews had this to say about Mr. Dallas? Bo Dallas, in my opinion, is maybe the most talented person we have that doesn't get, I mean, he's not even being used. I know it's totally hard. There's only so much television time. We've got so many stories lined up, but I was with him at NXT at the time when he was NXT champion. I know exactly what he's capable of. So do you agree with Sami Zayn that Bo Dallas is the most underrated WWE superstar in the business today? He's up there. I would say he's the most like uh, I can't tell you who like who I would say is the most underrated um wrestler in um right now, but he, I would say he is up there, uh, especially like if you see the type of stuff he did um back in, like in NXT when he was um NXT champion. It's like it's just the stuff that they could try to make work on what they did try to make it work, and then they said, "Hey, no." <laughs> It worked for you in NXT, but it's not gonna work for you here. Oh. I feel like they they could um they could they they could try something new with Bo Dallas, like just to see like test test the waters to like see what what they can work with with him. But like honestly, like same thing, right? They they like I said, there's um only so much like TV time because I was I can't say what show he's on, but you know there's only so much TV time that um and. Like I said, and storylines that they can like do for a show. Like, can we can we talk about um people being used a lot and people like, yeah, everyone's not gonna get used because like, you can't put everybody on the show. So hopefully they they can figure something to do with Bo Dallas because like he is very talented. He is a very talented superstar in um in the ring. I'm gonna you know it's not often that I disagree with Sami Zayn, but I I do disagree. Like, don't get me wrong, him in NXT, you know, was definitely a billion times better than what he was able to do on his time in Raw and SmackDown. But just, like, I just feel like there's so 
many other superstars right now who are underrated and who are underutilized to where it's like it's been so long for Bo Dallas like he's not even a thought anymore like if you were to ask me who I would want to see more so on TV who I feel like needs more opportunities Bo Dallas's name does not even cross my mind not anything against him not being talented it's just just he hasn't been around like like I said it's like it's it's literally I say this a lot it's not his fault yeah (laughs) it's not it's not Bo Dallas's fault it's like he just literally just have not he has not been booked. Like when we say that someone's like underrated, underutilized, like it's not their fault. Yeah. Like it, it's like it was like like a wrestling today. Like it was like we don't like them. It was like sometimes like it's literally not their fault. Like sometimes I don't I don't like your character. Looks like. Or if you're it, just it, like Coco and I just don't like you. Like. Like sometimes we just we don't like your character because like it's the way you're presented. Like it's nothing against you. It's literally just the way you are presented. Yeah, and <laughs> in some cases, like Bo Dallas's, you're just not even presented at all. So it's like it's it's just hard. After a while, of course, like at first you're like, yeah, I want to see such and such, but then it's like as time goes on, the less you see them, they're not even getting main event spots. Uh, you know the pe- you know show main sure. event. It's like. It's just like you, you just forget they exist and Bo Dallas has become one of those guys. If, if people actually do exist, like they just lose like like how do you expect me to care about someone if you never book them to win? It's like it's stuff like it's like things like that. Like you can't expect your fans to care about this person if one, they don't win. Two, they're not even on TV. Like you can't expect us to care about them. Exactly. But you wanna know who we do care about? Whom? Molly Holly. Who was announced earlier this week as the first inductee of the 2021 WWE Hall of Fame class? So congratulations, Mighty Molly. We love to see it. She said, like, we ain't got a match at WrestleMania 20. I'll shave my head. head. I'll shave my head. You heard me. So I'm happy. I'm so happy for her because, you know, she's already a billion times better than the 2020 women's uh, inductee because, no. No, that might maybe that's the reason why Rona happened because they're like the Bells in the Hall of Fame. Hell no, I'm kidding. Rona is terrible. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to another veteran of the Attitude Era, Christian. Who, after we thought saw him at Royal Rumble, a lot of people thought, hey, he signed with WWE. And no say contract was in place, and instead. At last um, AEW pay-per-view this past Sunday. Revolution. He proved to be the Hall of Fame-worthy signing and is now a member of All Elite Wrestling. Returning to his name, Christian Cage. He brought back his old TNA thing. Yeah, he did. And uh, speaking of why he left WWE for AEW, Christian said, what I really needed was the the best platform for me. That's what I felt at AEW. So, Keezy, do you think that WWE will regret not getting Christian on board and on Z Television? No. <laughs> um, like Christian, he he he's gonna ultimately one of my favorite um favorites. Like, uh, I just I don't like they have enough talent on like Raw SmackDown. Like, it would it be nice to see Christian like um on on a show like make her like yeah, but like. They don't really just, they don't really need him. Like it, it's um, it's a great signing for AEW. Um, curious to uh, see what uh, as to what he's gonna do over there. But um, I, I don't think Dodie will, will regret it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't think so either. 
Because, I mean, if WWE really wanted him, I feel like he would have stayed. I mean, especially because Edge is back. I think that if you could put him in a program with Edge, I think that he'd be instantly happy. Because if not for any other reason, he would get guaranteed TV time. So I think that even though AEW, like, seems like, for most fans, the light at the end of the tunnel or where everybody's just going to be used properly because WWE doesn't know how to treat people, blah, blah, blah. It was just also really ironic to me and mad hypocritical because whenever WWE brings back old superstars, like, I hate to say it, but like a Goldberg. No, no, no. Like, I'm not, not even them because I'm going to get to them, but like Goldberg, Brock Lesnar. Um, If they were to like bring back The Rock or some crap like that, like they... WWE is already bashed. Why are you bringing back all these old guys? Why don't you push new talent? Blah, blah, blah. And yet AEW does the same exact thing. If anything, they get praised for it because they're bringing back these veterans and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I've seen so many people like, like support Big Show going to AEW. Like, weren't y'all the same ones who was questioning why he was on Raw like right. not even two months ago? Which honestly, I get questioning why he's on there because Big Show. But, but it's just like the energy is it the same. Like if you're going like to go. It's literally the same guy. Yeah, if your issue with WWE is that they do this, how can you not have the same issue with um, AEW for doing the same thing. And if anything, it's probably worse because they're trying to rebrand these people as like new people. And like, if anything, they're pushing them more. Like when Sting showed up, Sting is 75 years old. Not literally, but I mean, he's, he's old. And it's just like, you're literally putting these guys in positions to like have big roles. And yet, no it's the same. When WWE does it, and I'm not I'm not supporting the whole Goldberg thing because that's terrible. But my, my thing is, if you hate it here, hate it everywhere. Like, and probably what they're doing saying like they're not putting a spotlight on him like if they, if they continue to do that with with these signings like then shit go ahead but like, his thing Sting he's actually like using his like um stature like to boost um Darby Allen up you know like, Darby he was all he was already talented anyway and popular Sting is just using his popularity to make someone else even more popular exactly. right like, if they do something like that go ahead but if they're like getting like runs for like championships or whether it be a TNT championship or the AEW World Championship, like it's do they're literally doing the same thing. Like they haven't done that. Then Chris Jericho. Like, he he was their first champion. So. Man, I, I I already spoke my piece about that. Like when he won the title, I, I felt like Hangman Page Hangman Page should have won the title. Like that's how I feel about it. I'm like. What Chris, like Chris? He was actually wasn't a bad champion. It's just, it's, a, it's just a like it's the principle. Yeah, like you have when your young young um talent who is who the fans get behind a lot and actually want to see champion. Then Chris Jericho beats him. Like like nothing gets his run. Like it was a it was a fine run. Like a decent title run. Like it's just like you had Hangman Page right there. He's like in your face right there. He said, no. Then he lost to the juice effect ever, which is a... Andrade does it better. He does it as a... He, he just ain't even a finisher move. Well, he was a finisher that one time. He, he literally knocked out Ricochet. I'm so happy you bring up Andrade because Andrade is definitely one of my favorites in the biz. I can't say today right now because he hasn't been on TV for months. Since before. No, after Mania last week, I know he got injured. You know, and then he was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was going to he was, he was going to do a few with um Angel Garza. Then after they ended, it was the Fiend and Alexa Bliss. They both gave them Sister Abigail. He hasn't been on TV since. 
That's when the fiend, that's when after the draft. Oof. Well, he's been gone for a while, which is very unfortunate because I definitely miss me some Andrade. But it's come out today, multiple reports saying that he has officially requested his release. And it was denied. Of course, as it should be. <laughs> So, do you think that with his denied release, do you think that this means that they see that he's serious and they're going to start giving him more opportunities? Because God knows, I hope so. There's a definite maybe there. I I, I can't say you a yes or a no. That's a definite maybe. He saw what what he did with then named Revival, now named FTR. They they might promise some things like you can get a title match, then you actually win the titles, but not do much with it, like. Only time will tell as to see like what actually happens now that Dave did not they saw he won his release and denied it. Only time will tell as to see what actually happens with that. Because like they they tried they tried to get um the revival to um stay by like sending them to um NXT. They said we we can y'all can go back and see like it was, it was at that point like it was too late. Just that was miles already set up. <laughs> They were gonna they were gonna leave after their contract expired. So like, if I can't get released, I'm gonna let my contract expire. I'm not gonna sign a new one. So like I said, only time would tell. I see what they what, um, what they do from here. Personally, I don't think that. I don't think they're gonna let him go. Like I know they denied the release, but I feel like it's gonna kind of push them to want to do mm-hmm. more. If not for any other reason, but you want to keep Charlotte happy because I know that you know they haven't like overdone it the way the WWE does with relationships and couples and like oh they're such and such dating such and such or they're married whatever but I feel like let's be honest Charlotte wait, wait, has wait, been um, did you know that Becky and Seth are engaged what yeah I don't know if you knew that or not no no way yeah. no way if you didn't know we, we just put it on the side screen right here screen every time they enter the ring <laughs> on the accolade thing goodness gracious that's embarrassing but anyway like, um, I get it I, thank you but um, can we know my actual accolade no, wait no, there's no. an actual accolade but my in ring accolade that's not even an accolade it's just a fact about my life bro like, like okay, thank I've you. done a lot more than just date somebody like thank you <laughs> but, 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 but yeah, yeah go ahead but yeah like and the thing is we all know Charlotte's more likely. I can't really ever see her leaving the WWE, but you still want to keep her happy. She just got off of a long sabbatical last year. And even though the fans will have their feelings about her, no one can deny that she can put on a good match. No one can deny that if you need somebody to at least get heat or at least get the fans' attention, Charlotte's one of those people. You don't want to make put her in a position where she's unhappy or she's uncomfortable. And I think that because she is in a relationship with Andrade, no matter where your career is, it's going to affect you if you see that your partner is unhappy, especially if you guys are in the same business. If you're flourishing and they're not, it's going to have an effect on you. So I feel like I think that his relationship with Charlotte is going to play a role in him starting to get more TV time. Like I said, I don't think that they should put them together like in a storyline or anything, but I think that they should use that as like a winking and nudge. Yeah, like I feel like that could be another reason why he gets back on TV because he's so talented. And honestly, Raw right now is lacking. I, I, in my personal opinion, they're lacking a lot of people. They're lacking new talent. Like right now, Bobby Lashley is champion, but it's like who really? There's only like one challenger. McIntyre could be like you could maybe say Braun, but he's doing the stuff with Shane right now. For and so reason. out of outside of that, unless they want to bring somebody else up, it's like there's nothing new to be done. I'm like, I'm like y'all literally have to build like literally like after Mania, y'all have 
y'all don't have, y'all don't have a choice. Y'all have to build somebody at this point, anybody up, <laughs> because like you can't just like. Like well, we say we say that can they're they're definitely going to do it, but you can't you can't just keep recycling match like if I don't like even the match is good like the match might be good but like we've seen it right like, we've like, seen it like right. okay y'all can put on a great match and we get that but like can you come up with something else like after Mania no. you have to build somebody up because you have main event main event caliber of superstars on their raw roster you just have to like. Build them up to it because, like, start with the 50 50 booking, <laughs> stop with the distraction finishes, like, have clear winners. <laughs> like, people have storylines that they can, like, storylines and characters they can all implement in the main event scene. Yeah, they have to utilize them <laughs> to their full potential. You asking for a whole hell of a lot. But speaking of somebody who wants to be used to the full potential. Peyton Royce, who voiced her frustrations on this week's episode of Raw Talk. I'm not going to read the full thing, but I'm going to read, like, you know, an excerpt. So, And I'm not going to do an accent because I'm done. The cliff notes version. No. Uh, I packed up my life, moved across the world with not a lot of, of a support system to chase this dream. For what? To get stuck in a locker room and watch them do what I do better than 98% of them. And that 2%, I can sure give them a run for their money. It actually hurts when you know deep in your soul you are destined to be where you are, striving for what you deserve. My potential haunts me. When you're striving for something you really feel you deserve. This is where I'm meant to be. My patience has been running thin for quite some time, so stop wasting my time and give me Oscar. While this all sounds great, we love to hear people fed up with the BS. I still don't think that she should be Oscar's next challenger. What about you? No, it's definitely not like, it's nothing like, I, I, I have a lot of people giving like giving pay runs flag because um because like um they say like it was um they say it was a mid promo like it was a promo we heard plenty of times like we heard plenty of times with like people are literally being booked the same way but I don't think she should be the next challenge I feel like Peyton she's a great talent she's great in the ring she's not the, the strongest on the microphone I feel like she's better with Billy um. But I feel like she ha- she has the potential to be like um, women's champion, and you know, like, uh, but as far as the next challenger, that really should be Naomi. <laughs> I would say Rhea. I'm Rhea, still banging the Rhea yeah. drum. Like, like Rhea, she's other too. Like I'm like looking like immediate future, like someone who's actually like recently actually pinned the champion. Even though that really doesn't matter unless you're on SmackDown because Nia just has a title match next week. You know, looking on Raw like, oh, you paying a champion, that's cute. Anyway. It doesn't really... It, did you, you didn't watch SmackDown. Honestly, no, it, it didn't have anything to do with the... Yeah. They, they didn't even face each other this oh. week. It was it was really just... She got a suggestion from her boy, so she's like, oh, I don't yeah. do that. But, um, even though she's on Raw. That's neither here nor there. But yeah, like, Peyton, you're great. But I feel like, as of right now, you can challenge her to a non-title match. You know? But as for like a championship match, nah. Like, because the the like we said we literally just said this before, it's the way you're presented, and you've been losing a lot. And like they split you over Billy and put you right into another tag team with Lacey Evans, and they literally went nowhere. Like it's literally the way you are presented 
and like it's not your fault. <laughs> we, we say we say this so much on this podcast. It's not your fault. It's literally the way you're presenting. It's like the way you've been presenting. Like you can challenge Oscar like in a non-title match. Speaking of which, Oscar, hope you get better soon because there's a chance that she might miss WrestleMania. Yeah, I heard she got a concussion. I'm sorry. She has like, a po- yeah, yeah, you possible gotta, concussion. Like yeah, you gotta you gotta cough up the title. It's been a while. Like I just they already treat the Raw Women's Championship like crap, especially when Oscar has it. So I feel like if she really is going to be out and they don't really have any direction for her at Mania anyway. So I would just say, you know what? Strip of the title, multi-woman match or a battle royal to figure out who's going to be in it, whatever. But they have to do something with that title. It was like, it was not one thing, it's another. Like first, she didn't have, she didn't have Challenger anyway. Now she might be missing Mania altogether. It's, yeah, uh, she missed Mania. They're going to strip her of it though, as they should. Like, but like, um, let's say like she is better. Like, Peyton should not be the next challenger for a title. She can challenge Oscar like one on one non title match. Like, fine. There's like championship wise, no. It just comes down to what have you done, Peyton? Like, it'd be one thing if, cause it's kind of like when Nikki Cross was saying she didn't like how she was being booked or whatever. But it's just like you haven't done anything, and so because you haven't done anything, it's like, okay, I hear you're frustrated, but it's like, you haven't done anything for me to bang on that drum. Like, yeah, I want to see Peyton do it. Like, I like Peyton Royce. Of course, I liked her more when she was the Iconics, because they still shouldn't have broke them up, but it's still just like, I think that because she hasn't done anything, it's like, okay, but who cares? You know, like, you haven't, you have, I'm not saying it's like prerequisites you have to have, but I mean, you haven't been the winner of a match. Like, you Winning a one-on-one match, and I don't even remember it. It's been that long. I think the last time she won a one-on-one match, she beat Ruby Riot. So, in other words, it's been a long time the, coming. I think last time she actually got a pinfall with victory was at Survivor Series. That's what I think. I might be wrong, but I think Survivor Series, last time she got a pinfall with victory. Uh, probably probably about main event. I don't, I don't watch main event. But so, it's been it's been like, a long time. Like, 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 we can, like, we gonna keep, we, we actually, we're going to keep saying it. It's not your fault. Like they, you're not booked to win. Like it's like I say, it's not your fault. Like like, like Raven said, like it's like this is a what have you done for me lately business. <laughs> like if you haven't done anything, like don't we can't expect. Like we we can like we can feel what you're saying. Like yeah, I'm like we feel we feel you, but like we can't do anything about it. Like us us person, we can't do anything about it. <laughs> it's just a hard no, and I don't think she should be because. I mean, you and I both have opinions about who should be the mm-hmm. next challenger, but, like, regardless, it's just, like, it's, it's kind of, like, even with Lacey Evans, at least they gave her, like, a storyline to go yeah. into it. If they were just to give it to Peyton, Peyton doesn't have anything going like, into this. We, we got Oscar the third wheel, and Peyton was literally the fourth wheel. Yeah, so it's, it, it didn't make sense. But, all right, let's talk NXT, the black and gold brand, who said, you know what? We're going to stand and deliver that is right in this last episode of nxt they announced a two-night takeover event uh starting april 7th with the first night of nxt takeover taking place on uh usa and then the next night is going to be exclusively on peacock keezy what are your thoughts on a two-night nxt takeover because i guess they're copying their big brother wrestlemania that's cool like i said get peacock I mean, I'm just going to get Peacock whenever April rolls around because that's when the WWE yeah. Network's going to end. So. Kind of, um, I think Fastlane's supposed to be on Peacock and the network. Like, it's like, it's depends on that because it's going to be exclusively on and I think not have to get it. But um, I think it's, 
Okay, cool. Because like WrestleMania's gonna be two nights. They also want they want to do Raw Takeover. Think Hall of Fame, SmackDown, then Mania. That's exhausting. That's a lot. Yeah, uh, that's how, that's how I think that week is gonna go. That's gonna be a long wrestling week. So yeah, like personally, you know, I feel like unless uh, I feel like either y'all yeah, they're gonna stack the card up or have like just longer matches in general because a regular regular take like two and a half hours like just like same length as a regular pay per view now. Uh, like two and a half hours, like five matches. So I feel like the matches are most likely just gonna be longer, or like they're gonna like put more matches on the card. But yeah, um, I'm not mad at it, as long as it's like um USA Network. Yeah, y'all better have like either limited commercials or no commercials. Yeah, I was just about to say I don't like it for the sole purpose of takeovers are meant to be like pay per views. They're meant to be their own things. I don't want to be in the middle of a great match. Oh, and now we're gonna take a brief commercial break. Like no. That's not what it, that, that takes away the takeover feel. Like, if you want to have one of those, you know, the specials, like, you know, the Vengeance, whatever's, or the, um, you know, Halloween Havoc, stuff like that, like, that's one thing. But don't call it a takeover and then just treat it like a normal show because that's not what it is. Like, takeover is takeover. And, like, that's my biggest issue with it is just because with USA, of course, unless they're going to just block out two hours with no commercials, I just don't see how that can be feasible. They can, pay, they can pay for that time slots. So like, hey, can you just have it be commercial free? They're not going to pay for that. And so it's still going to be commercials. And I just, I would hate that. Like, like you said, I wish they would find a way to limit it. But more than likely, I doubt that's going to happen. So I know it's going to be frustrating the first yeah, night. But overall, like, I'm still excited because it is TakeOver. And I know it's still going to be great. Yeah. But it's still just like TakeOver. And yeah, then it's another. Small, it's a small thing. Yeah. Like and then overall. That's just a lot of wrestling for one week because that's essentially Raw, two mm-hmm. nights of TakeOver, um, SmackDown. That's six nights of wrestling in one freaking week. That is a lot. And that's e- and it'd be easy for people to get burned out because I'm not going to lie to you. I have a hard enough time keeping track of NXT on a weekly basis in addition to watching Raw SmackDown. So if I got to watch wrestling six out of seven days, I'm going to be real distracted. I'm probably going to get burnt out. And I feel like that could be an issue for the WWE, like especially with that week. Like I understand you want to maximize content. And I understand you want to give people on Peacock something to watch for. But it's just like, it's just, it's too much. And I feel like unless, and the thing is you're not going to deliver every night. So what I could see happening is you have TakeOver, which is great or whatever. You have Mania, which is good. But like Raw and SmackDown are literally just going to be like, Throwaway shows. I mean, they actually every year they are throwaway shows. Like it's, it's just it's just literally go home show. Like usually for Mania, they like they don't do that much on shows except like mainly for multiple shows. Like because every year doing WrestleMania week is a is always a lot of wrestling. Like no matter what it is, like but it's it, never like six whole nights. It's because it, this like this because. It's mainly because it's, this is the first time TakeOver is going two nights. Yeah, but I mean, still, last year, I mean, before last year, it was still only one night of Mania. So, realistically, yeah, it'd be Raw, it'd be Raw SmackDown, SmackDown um, TakeOver, and then Mania. It's still, still, it's still five nights. But, I mean, still, it's not six. The thing is, my my personal belief is it's still just too much. Like, no, no, you're not wrong. It's, it's like just, still a lot of content to, like, to consume and, like, one week, but and then even comparing it like up until recently, NXT would be like an hour, so it's still no, it's two hours, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's more hours, and then it's still on you. Don't because the thing is, it's technically an hour, but you don't have any commercials, so you just roll through it. 
this is still two hours, still dealing with commercials, and then you don't really know what people... It's, it's just a lot. It's way too much... I'm, I'm still gonna watch like, it. Like I said, the only reason why I give it a pass is only because it's man, it's mania week. That's literally like this literally this this is me personally. That's the only reason why I feel like okay. And then if we're being honest, that's still what seven shows and eight nights because then raw right after. See raw. That's a lot. See raw three hours. Takeover night is gonna be two hours. Then two hours. Then SmackDown is also two hours. And main spot like three hours each night. So yeah, that's a lot of content. It's a whole lot of content, and I love wrestling as much as the next person, but that, that's a lot. Cause I don't think Mania last was like, yeah, Mania last was like three hours each night as well. Yeah. Which is that's not a bad template to have a Mania. Yeah, that's still like right. a seven-hour show. It's not gonna last. Oh, just wait till next year. <laughs> uh, yeah, once they can, like fully do fans, this this two-night thing is going to hell. Just wait till next year. I'm not gonna Maybe. lie to you. I I I actually like it just being one night. Personal. I like everything just getting out the way. Like I know it's twelve hours long, but just devoting two days, like I I like it just being one day. Like I can make a day of it, have a good time. Whereas with two days, like you got to make something. It's a lot. But all right, let's talk about something that's not going to be a two-night event. It is Fast Lane, which as of right now, we still only it's have like, two matches confirmed. It's like the younger brother that you don't want. Like, you're here, but like, why? <laughs> I mean, you know, you got to do something before Mania. Roman and Daniel uh, for the Universal Championship, and then the Women's Tag Team Championship, Sasha and Bianca Belair, taking on Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Like you said, same two matches from last week. We already yeah. voiced our opinions about the tag team match, but yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think I think I'm, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be probably Sheamus versus Drew number one contender match. I I don't know if he'll be number one contender, but I think it's gonna I mean, be like who, a who else do they got? No, not even that. I just think it's just gonna still just gonna be Drew. But I think or find a way to have the Miz do it. But I think that um I think they're gonna have a third match, but I think it's gonna yeah. be just a special because the last match didn't end clean, yeah, and so. so I think they're gonna do some special match, maybe fall out anywhere, yeah, last man standing, something like that. Um, cause I feel like this might be my only like I would say like four matches, like, like which is fine. Like, just like just like, like good two hours, like two hours flat. Just like go out there, like this is the pay per view like no one wants, like because. It's not. Yeah, I wouldn't even say it's nothing that nobody wants, but it's nothing like. Like we we don't we don't need this pay per view. I won't even <laughs> say that. It's just like you don't have anything booked for it. Like you don't have anything prepped for. It. You don't really have many storylines going into it. Like this is definitely going to be on mm. that card. And and most likely it's going to be Apollo versus Big E. Like because like, I feel like Raw's been booking towards Mania. Or SmackDown's been booking towards Fastlane. I've noticed that it's like. How about we just book towards Mania? Because like we don't need Fastlane. <laughs> <laughs> you're just you're just here. I'm like, yeah. You just you just in the way. Yeah, pretty much. So <laughs> of the you you said Drew and Sheamus. I said I yeah, think Drew that, and Sheamus probably Biggie and Apollo, Seth and Cesaro. I think they're gonna save that for Mania. I think they're gonna do Seth and uh, Shinsuke. You'll see why oh, yeah. I say that. After yeah, I, I, I saw like a picture. I didn't see like wow. I just saw them like have a yeah. picture backstage. Like yeah, this is gonna be a. If I do that, it's going to be the first one-on-one match since Survivor Series 2018. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, y'all could just go ahead and do that. Make it a short pay-per-view. Then, all right, now we strictly are on the road to WrestleMania. I will say this, though. I'm more – honestly, I'm more interested for next week's match with – you haven't watched SmackDown, but it's going to be Edge 
versus uh, Jay Uso, and then oh whoever my. wins is going to be the special enforcer for the Universal Championship match, which of course Edge is going to win. Okay. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to be excited to see how that necessarily shakes. Like I'm more excited for that than I'm I am Roman versus Daniel, just because we know that Daniel's going to lose. So. It'd be interesting to see how well, it goes. This is a rematch from 2015. We're going to be the same result. So, yeah. All right. I mean, both still banging matches, though. Yeah, they'll be swell. I mean, I've never professed to be the biggest fan of Daniel Bryan, but I know he's talented. But, all right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, be sure to check out TheExport.net. I repeat, TheExport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours, truly fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Kiki, do you have anything you'd like to say before we close out this show? We are a long week ahead of us doing Mania Week. It's a long week. Uh, like Brock Wagner said, it's... It's, it's gonna be ugly, people. There. Also, hey, if we have one week, make Raw like an hour. No. Just one, just make no. it one hour. Absolutely not. Absolutely, hell not. Because right. y'all, y'all that concept for two hours, not let alone three. <laughs> just make it one hour. You no, know. that's not happening. Um, all I got is remember, be sure to check out uh Ethan and I's uh NFL free agency draft. I think it was a lot of fun. You should check it out, especially with free agency starting next week. And uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all next time.